You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 721 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Thursday evening. Into Friday morning, I attempted to record the podcast live from State Farm Arena, but there was a little bit too much commotion, a little bit too much background noise, even for me, so I elected to uh, go ahead and bottle that up and bring it home to the home studio, but I was in the building tonight for what became a 129-124 to win for the Hawks over the Miami Heat in pretty impressive fashion, and obviously an entertaining game from start to finish, a pretty good atmosphere inside the building on Quavo night down there at State Farm Arena, and uh, of course the headliner is Trey Young setting a new career high with 50 points. Yes, 50 points. He was fantastic, and we'll talk all about the game as we get going here on the podcast. A couple of, uh, I would say, housekeeping items to get to before we start actually talking about the game itself, which is the main part of tonight's show. First thing, a very brief one here, the NBA announced that Summer League dates are out. They are from July 10th through the 20th. Uh, It's about a week later than it has been the last couple of years, which could push a lot of things back um, in a good way for Summer League kind of being more of a spotlight and having free agency being uh, largely over by that point in time. And of course, last year, I know a lot of Hawks fans were bothered by this, that sort of the way that the trade rules went down, um, that kind of pushed DeAndre Hunter and even Bruno Fernando into missing a little bit of Summer League with this. Uh, being a week later, that probably should not happen this time around. And of course, the Hawks may not do a trade, but if they do, then uh, they, this could impact them. And uh, across the league, rookies in the in the top ten were missing time, and the, I'm sure the league did not love that. So there you go with that. Uh, the other thing that's actually more Hawks related directly that came out since the last time we did the podcast was an update on Click Capella. Um, I spoke to Ben Ladner on the last show, which you probably should go back and listen to. Also, I did a, 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 while we're here a fun podcast with Jackson Frank on the NBA draft. A couple of nice deep dive episodes early on this week before the actual games came back, so go back and check those out if you please. But on that show, Ben talked about the fact that Lloyd Pierce on Tuesday at practice and also Kevin Schnard of um, ATL and 29 Podcast and Hawks.com uh, passes along some audio on his podcast from Lloyd Pierce, but Capella is not close to returning, and that's uh, something we've sort of alluded to on the podcast before, but now there's a little bit more definitive word from the Hawks. Um, Pierce said on Wednesday at practice that it was going to be, quote, weeks, end quote, before he was back in action. And then Kevin passed along that Pierce guessed uh, seven to ten games of absence from um, for the new for the newly acquired center. Then the official report that the Hawks put out about Clickapella and Scalabissier said that both players will be reevaluated in two weeks. As always on this podcast and elsewhere, reevaluation does not mean return. And uh, even in a perfect scenario with that um, timetable, neither guy will be back before early March at the uh, at the absolute earliest. That's at least a seven game absence for each guy um, in Atlanta to start the second half of the season. I said this ten times already, honestly, but um, I'll say it again here, just for one more time here. It makes a lot of sense for the Hawks to be as careful as possible with Capella and uh, and Labissier, especially for, with, with Capella, given that he has signed for three more seasons. Uh, not a present-day move. That that trade was not a present-day move. It was all about the future, and uh, obviously that's kind of the emphasis here versus the uh, versus the, the sort of the current state of affairs. And obviously the Hawks with Dwayne Dedman have a starting level center on the roster already, which is very helpful as well. The plantar fasciitis that Capella is dealing with is pretty tricky, uh, and there's already no need to rush him along. And we'll obviously update that as it gets um, down the line here. But at least for the next two weeks, no more updates come from the Hawks, and he'll be reevaluated at that point in time. Okay, we will dig into the game now as we train as we sort of turn the page here to what again was a very entertaining basketball game. 
on Thursday evening. Uh, before tip-off, a couple of injury-related things to hit on. Devery Hunter was actually listed as questionable originally with an ankle sprain. That was the same ankle that, that cost him some time before the All-Star break actually arrived. It felt a bit strange when they announced it originally because the Hawks had not had the, the discussion about Hunter at that point in time, and everyone assumed, myself included, that he was going to be healthy after more than a week off. But Wood Pierce said in advance of the game on Thursday, or I guess tonight as we're talking, um, that he tweeted in practice on Wednesday, but he did say that it was, his, it was quote, nothing serious, end quote. And uh, as you saw in the game, Hunter looked to be pretty uh, pretty spry, so I'm not really worried about the angle necessarily. Uh, a good sign, though, after he was listed as questionable coming into the game. Also, Kevin Herter was added Thursday afternoon to the injury report with uh, an allergic reaction. Never learned more about that, but uh, he, he, seemed, he seemed to be pretty pretty fine um, during the game itself. Um, on the Miami side, the Heat were without a couple of key players in uh, Tyler Hero and Myers Leonard, but nothing uh, nothing out of the ordinary. And of course, um, there you go on that. Just want to point that out as we get go- go- as we get going here. And the Hawks were underdogs in this game, as you would expect. Miami was not playing great before the All Star break, but even coming into the game, they were still thirty five and nineteen, and you could see why the Hawks would be the underdog even at home. But as we saw throughout this game, the Hawks, when they are playing well are still pretty entertaining and pretty good when they're at full strength. So, um, first quarter in this game as we transition to the game itself. Kind of a slow start, I will say. A bunch of foul trouble for the Hawks in the early going. An 11-4 overall run by Miami to open the game. The Hawks did stabilize from there, but um, Dwayne Dedman and DeAndre Hunter have both had two fouls in the first few minutes. A, kind of a weird giveaway foul by Dedman for his second at about the half-court line, and they came out of a timeout with a pretty small lineup with Young and Teague in the backcourt together alongside Herter, Reddish, and Collins. A pretty small look, and in fact, the Hawks went very uh, short in the rotation in this game. In fact, in the second half, it was a seven-man rotation, basically. Um, a little bit of eight when you got to Bruno Fernando, but for the most part, it was seven with the five starters plus Jeff Teague and Cam Reddish and uh, that's kind of what the Hawks have been doing when they've been in these like close-fought battles in the fourth quarter. Pierce has been shortening the rotation, and, and I mean, honestly, it's a little bit easier to do that when you haven't played in more than a week. Guys are fresh, and uh, they rode that in this spot. Offensively, I thought it was noteworthy that the Hawks took Trey Young off the ball a number of times in this game. Uh, there was some noise about that, a nice piece from Ben Ladner, who, who joined us on the podcast earlier this week about this um, earlier, but you know, Pierce did sort of refer to the fact that he was planning on taking Young off the ball a little bit, um, look, looking ahead to the rest of the season. That definitely was the case here. Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, those guys, and even Jeff Teague, were, those guys were initiating the ball, um, initiating possessions with the ball in their hands, and that and it was pretty effective. It was actually a back-to-back stretch in the first quarter. It was Kevin Herter sort of at the point, nominally, offensively even with Trey Young and Jeff Teague on the floor. So pretty interesting there. They wanted to do that, and it was pretty effective for the most part. Uh, Young made his first three attempts from three-point range, including the last one of those to tie the game at 23-23 after a nice little comeback there from the Hawks. Um, The Hawks went with Bruno Fernando as the backup slash third string center in this guy in this game ahead of Damian Jones. He was not very effective. Um, starting from pretty much the right, right away, honestly. And they also went with Brandon Goodwin ahead of uh, the likes of DeAndre Bembry and Travion Graham. Um, another 7-0 run by the Heat late in the first quarter, but overall the Hawks bounced back to only be down by two at the end, at the end of the first quarter. And honestly, they, they played pretty well despite the uh, shaky defense that they had throughout the first half. Um, in the second quarter, the Hawks opened with the five young guys together. The quote-unquote core five has been making the 
rounds. I would push back on that on that name. Uh, it seems to be sticking a little bit. Even Pierce has been using it as well. Um, I will say this flatly. Click Capella is part of the rotation and part of the core at this point in time. So I'm not sure the core five works in the way that it used to. I've even referred to the to the five core guys. But when you trade for someone like Capella, he's a part of your core. So uh, you know it's kind of a nitpicky thing, but I want to point that out there. It's uh before it gets too far down the road, I wouldn't necessarily use that name. But alas. Um, but anyway, those guys started the second quarter a little bit scattered early on, and Pierce actually called a timeout after they lost Kelly Olenek for a three. Um, but from that point forward, there was a nice push from the Hawks, an 8-0 run to uh, take a, uh, the, their first lead since 2 nothing, And then after a timeout, that continued with, with seven more points. In fact, it was an overall 15-0 run from the Hawks from down four to up 11 uh, in pretty quick fashion, about three and a half minutes, 15-0 run. Um, and that was obviously the best stretch of the night for the Hawks until the very, very end of the game. Um, there was a little bit of a letdown from there because Miami answered with a 15-5 run of their own. But um, during that during that positive stretch, it was DeAndre Hunter at the four making a lot of plays, almost almost used as a roll man at times with Dwayne Devin spacing in the corners. Um, Hunter, uh, sorry, Hunter then got his third foul and Devin got his third foul right in a way, right, right, right in a row. So those guys did not play as much as you probably wanted them to in the first half, but uh, they ended up doing enough to hang around and in general. The Hawks uh, were able to hang up, hang around back and forth, down by only one at the halftime break. Trey Young had 19 in the first half. As you, if you're doing the math now, he, that means he had 31 after halftime, which is even more impressive. Obviously, uh, had 10 free throws in the first half. T got 10 off the bench. Hunter had nine and uh, played pretty well overall, despite the fact that they were actually down by one point. Uh, before we get to the second half and of course the individual stuff in this game, I want to take a quick break. Now we'll come right back with more on Hawks Heat. All right, and we're back to go with, with the second half and the individual part of this podcast. And uh, in the third quarter, a pretty nice start with an early four-point play by Trey Young to tie the game. Um, but from there, it was actually a, a pretty heavily leaning Heat quarter. In fact, it was the it was the best quarter of the night overall on the scoreboard for Miami. Kind of a slow bleed though, not not one like huge counterpunch from Miami. But the Hawks got some foul trouble. John Collins had four fouls at the eight-minute mark of the third quarter, and they had three each on Hunter Debbin and Teague. That kind of led them to a little bit of. Um, Pass, passive play, I would say, in the third quarter. I did, did have a couple of nice plays from the rookies. Uh, Hunter had a nice steal and a dunk, and Reddish had a nice huge block shot around the same time. But Miami sort of pushed pushed ahead slowly, pushing up their lead to 11 points. The Hawks only had 15 points in the first nine minutes of the third quarter. Kind of a slow, sluggish offensive stretch. Pierce talked about the fact they were playing a little bit too much iso ball in that run. And then Bruno Fernando had a, had a pretty rough spot as well in his one stretch in the third quarter. Um, from there, though, the Hawks did ramp it up a little bit but with Trey Young hitting a deep three over Iguodala. That was a fun one uh, in a lot of ways. That made the rounds on social media. I'm sure you saw that replay if you missed it the first time. He kind of carved him up a little bit there. Um, but then he did. He, he actually did foul Iguodala on the, other, on the other end of the floor. But Iggy, in what was actually a, a big switch and a big swing in this game, in my opinion, Iguodala makes only one of three after a failed challenge by Lloyd Pierce. So that, was, that turns into a one-point play. And then Trey gets to the line, makes both, and suddenly the Hawks cut what was an 11-point lead down to seven before the end of the third quarter. And a pretty good close there after a slow start in the third quarter. And down seven is different than down 11, just psychologically and just the logistics of that. So that was a big swing in the game, in my opinion. And then you get into the fourth quarter, and in the blink of an eye, the lead is basically evaporates from Miami. A 7-0 run from the Hawks, including the last five in a row by Trey Young to tie the game 97-0. The last three by Young was a... was, uh, yeah, a pretty impressive one against Iguodala as well. That was the other one that sort of made the rounds. And then the little shimmy there at the end to uh, get into the timeout, and the Hawks have erased the lead. Um, from there, it wasn't necessarily all Hawks because there was a lot of back and forth. Iguodala scored five points of his own. The Trey had another three, his seventh, and then a three-point play from Young. And suddenly he had 41 points 
early in the fourth on 18 field goal attempts. Just ludicrous stuff from Trey Young, seven threes, and 14 and 14 from the free throw line at that point in time. Then he threw what I thought was an absolutely obscene left-handed pass to John Collins. Collins got wrapped up and fouled, so there was no assist there for Young, But so that play was kind of lost to history. But an, an awesome pass from Trey to, to generate two points. And then Young hit another deep three at the top of the key to, go, to ha- have his 44th point with about seven and a half minutes to go. Um, the Hawks then finally took the lead again on Teague free throws with about six and a half minutes to go. Then they had to take Trey Young out briefly, and that kind of pushed things back in Miami's favor um, very quickly. Trey only sat for 46 seconds, but in that time it was 4-0 Miami to go back up by three points. And then Collins misses a, not not a complete bunny, but certainly a shot that he usually makes in the paint. And Adebayo scores to go up by five with five minutes to go. And the Hawks feel, sort of slipping away a little bit there, uh, pushing, into, pushing into a timeout. I thought it was a good ATO from uh, Lloyd Pierce to get Kevin Herter a three out of the timeout. Um, that, that was very nice to see there. Uh, I will say this, they, it was sort of a fortunate break because they missed John Collins for what should have been a wide-open dunk on that possession. They did not pass in the ball. They kind of just missed him. He was jumping around uh, wide open underneath the rim. They missed him. But Herter hits the three. That was a big shot. And then they uh, they fouled Bam Adebayo, who was great in this game, but he had a couple nice, uh, a couple rough moments for Miami down the stretch, including a couple of missed free throws there for free Chick-fil-A for everyone involved at State Farm Arena. And then Hunter hits a three before the shot clock buzzer to take the lead. And suddenly the Hawks go from down five to up by one, but Miami had one more push left in them. We'll fast forward a little bit here, so I'm not going full full play by play. But um, Miami goes up 119 to 116 with three and a half minutes to go. And then Trey misses a three at the top of the key. The Hawks did get a stop there, despite the despite the benefit of a, another unfriendly whistle. And then Trey ties the game on a three point play with two and a half minutes to go at 119 119. So you're in pretty good shape there, obviously in a tie game at home, but. Adebayo answers with a mid-range jump shot. Trey misses a three and then fouls Bam in transition for a three-point play. And suddenly, the Hawks go from tied to down five with 151 to go. So down five, two minutes to go. You have the ball, but still, you're the underdog pretty considerably there, I would have to imagine. Um, Trey, Trey then misses a floater, but then John Collins gets, gets a big tip dunk that was, uh, again, sort of a forgotten play, but an awesome one for John Collins to cut the lead back, back down to three. Um, then the, te- the, the two teams traded empty possessions. I will say this, there was not a lot of officiating going on in this stretch. I wrote down in my notes that the refs swallowed the whistles. That was sort of an understatement of the century, and watching it one more time since then, uh, not a lot of whistles being called on either end of the floor there during that stretch, but a timeout by the Hawks at 103 to go with the ball down by three points. They come out of that timeout. They ran an ATO, a beautiful one for Trey Young um, to draw the defense, and he, and he did that. He finds DeAndre Hunter for a kickout wide open three. He makes that to tie the game. That was a huge shot from Hunter, who was very good in this game. He ties it, and then Reddish gets the uh, sort of the highlight level steal on Goran Dragic at the end of the shot clock, tips it ahead to himself for the dunk, and Atlanta goes from down three to up two in about 25, 30 seconds of play. Um, a pretty big swing there from the two rookies, and obviously a fantastic little stretch from those guys. Um, then, after a timeout, Miami gets the ball back. They're down by two. Butler misses a corner, misses a, a wing three that would have given them the lead. The Hawks get the loose ball there. I will say a great defensive play. Yes, a great defensive play by Trey Young on a dig by him to knock the ball away from Adebayo and that loose ball. The Hawks collect it, and after two passes, they get the ball to Trey Young, who is fouled with 12.2 seconds to go up by two. Um, that's the guy you want to be fouled, obviously, if you're the Hawks. He makes both. That's That gets him to 49 points, and the Hawks up by four. And that, you know, up four 12, with 12 seconds to go, you're in fantastic shape now after being down down three with less than a minute to go. 
but uh, it wasn't completely over. I will say they did get, they did get the stop that they had to get though down down by four. Um, Miami goes empty, and then Bam Adebayo fouls Trey Young with about two seconds to go. That was a fortunate one to get Trey his uh, career high because it, it felt like he was going to have his third his third career game of forty nine points at that point in time. But they get the whistle there. Trey knocks down the first one to get the fifty. Actually misses the second one, which is kind of funny to land right on fifty. That was his first miss of the game. He was eighteen of eighteen from the line at that point. Misses his last one, but still ends up at fifty. And the Hawks score the last 10 points. Yes, the Hawks score the last 10 points of the game after being down by five with 150 to go. They go 10-0 to win by to win by five. And uh, kind of in a weird contrast and kind of a I would say amusing contrast. The last time that the Hawks played the Heat in Miami, that was the famous game in which Lloyd Pierce kind of botched it at the end of the regulation, and then the Heat scored 22 points. They scored the last six of the regulation, the first 16 of overtime. Um, so the complete re- the complete reverse happens here, where Miami's leading late, and the Hawks score the last 10 after Miami did the same thing to them um, down in Miami. So that was kind of a funny uh, little switch there, and the Hawks get the win, obviously. So um, plenty to take away from this game. We'll do a little bit of a, of a dive as we always do into the individual stuff, but um, team. Team-wise, in this spot, Trey Young is, of course, the headliner, but the Hawks did score at an impressive rate, a 118 offensive rating against a good Miami defense. That's pretty impressive for the Hawks. Um, they, sh- they made 16 of 35 from three. That, that was the biggest thing here, just the way they shot the ball from three-point range. They made five more threes than Miami did on two fewer attempts. That's important in this game. And, of course, 35 free throws, and they, ma- they make 31 of them. A lot of that was Trey Young, but everybody else was pretty good as well at the free throw line. And they just shot the ball relatively efficiently in this game. And turning the ball over 16 times, that, that's, that's a pretty manageable number in this spot. Defensively, it wasn't any great shakes, a 114 defensive rating, but that's enough to win when you're playing great offensively. And the Hawks, you know, they did a pretty good job on Bam and Bio. I know Bam was obviously great with 28 and 19 in this game, but the Hawks didn't let anybody else get loose. Duncan Robinson was, was under control. Butler was not any great shakes by his standards in this game. Uh, Jay Crowder had a couple of step backs, but nothing, nothing great there. Kendrick Nunn was uh, just average. The Hawks did a pretty good job defensively on, you know, most of the most of the actions. You know, it was a little bit of a slow start, but after the first quarter, the Hawks played pretty, pretty decent defense. It wasn't fantastic by any means, but when you're playing good offense, you can kind of get by on that way, and that's kind of the role. That's kind of the role that the Hawks want to be going through right now is just kind of being more of a high-powered offense, low-level defense kind of team that makes the staff when needed, and that was what they actually were able to do in this game. As we go to the individual stuff here. A little bit on the podcast. Um, we'll save the starters for the end. Um, as I said before, it was sort of a, sort of a shallow rotation in a lot of ways here. The Hawks did play ten guys: no Damian Jones, no Trayvon Graham, no De- no DeAndre Bembry. Charlie Brown was sent back to Char- sent back to College Park, so he's not with the team right now. He's actually down there in uh, in the G League. But the three guys who played a little bit, but not much: Bruno Fernando, nine minutes. He did have four points, four rebounds. But I thought he was pretty much a liability. Uh, I'm okay with Bruno playing over Damian. That's something that's just more of a future facing thing. Neither guy is very effective right now at this moment in time, but Bruno at least is at least conceivably a part of the future for the Hawks, but he was not good in this game. It's tough to play against Bam Adebayo, and then obviously that's a bad matchup for anybody, but uh, Bruno was pretty visibly lost a few different times in the effort level, and the uh, the motor there was not necessarily revving up for Bruno in this spot. Um, Brandon Goodwin, Vince Carter both played five minutes or less. Goodwin played in a two-point guard lineup in the first half. Looked okay, but um, basically what the Hawks are doing right now is using Goodwin as their like fifth wing almost. Uh, sorry, fourth wing almost because you're playing. You know, <laughs> looking ahead, Herder played 40 minutes, um, Reddish 37 minutes, and then Hunter 30 minutes. 
Uh, obviously, there's a little bit of Hunter at the four, but for the most part, the Hawks are using two point guards or they're using Herder at the two. There's, that's kind of that's kind of it. There's been four guards playing, three of them are point guards, and uh, Goodwin's like the fourth guard slash fourth wing right now, and um, basically just choosing him over memory, uh, but even in a pretty small role there, he didn't do too much to uh, equate himself in this game. And Vince Carter played the one stretch, did not score, had two had two rebounds, or one from the floor, didn't really stand out in any meaningful way. Um, the other guys who did play, though, Jeff Teague and Cam Reddish both played a lot of crunch time as well. Um, Teague played 25 minutes off the bench. I thought he was very, very good. 12 points, 4 assists, and 4 turnovers, which is probably a little bit more than you would want from Jeff. But got to the line 5 times, 3-4 from the floor, 1-1 one of one from 3. Lloyd Pierce had a pretty visible reaction to the 1-3 that Teague made, and he was asked about that after the game. And um, Lloyd basically said that he'd just been almost begging um, Jeff to shoot more and to attack more. And I have noticed that Teague's been pretty passive at times. And since he got to Atlanta, and uh, that was a big one, and Pierce seemed to want, to want to acknowledge that Jeff took and made that three. That was a big one, and I thought he played quite well in this game off the bench. And then Reddish was very good. I think he had a couple of shaky moments very, very early in this game, but after he settled in, he was very good. Had a, had a couple of great finishes, and that's something I've been skeptical of pretty openly about Cam um, early on in his career has been his finishing, but it's definitely improved steadily throughout the season. And I thought in this game he had at least two, maybe three, like really good, impressive finishes near the rim. Only, only shot one of five from three, but that's okay. It's going to happen every once in a while. And defensively, he was fantastic. He gave Butler all he could handle. He, he had, of course, the big steal against Dragic. He did a pretty good job on none when he was asked to do that. Robinson as well. He just kind of did whatever the Hawks needed him to do defensively in this game. And 37 minutes worth of Cam Red, I thought, he, I thought he was just very good after a little, bit of a, a little bit of a dodgy start. But the last three quarters or so, I thought he was very good in this game. Um, to the starters in this game, uh, Deadman. Not a huge factor, I will say. Uh, did not score. Actually, 0-2 from the floor, both three-point attempts. Had eight rebounds uh, and five fouls. Uh, Pierce was actually asked about Deadman as well, and he, he gave him a seal of approval despite the fact that he didn't score. I would agree. I think Deadman wasn't a huge factor, but I thought, actually thought he did a couple things well. Played good defense, and they needed his. They needed they needed, they needed the fouls, and they, they needed the uh, physical and the physicality when he was when he was on the court against Miami. He wasn't again not his best self, but still certainly a little, certainly the best center option the Hawks had other than Collins in this game. Um, the other four guys were all pretty prolific. Collins had 12 points, seven rebounds, two steals, three block shots, and, and an assist. Offensively, it wasn't a hugely um, sort of explosive game for John, which Pierce also acknowledged after the game, but he was drawing a lot of attention. Every time he's in a screen and roll, the Hawks really put pressure on the rim. His roll gravity is very evident if you watch the tape of this game. Uh, he was not the finisher necessarily all the way through. And he was banged, he was banged around a lot in this game. I thought it was kind of, he, he did not benefit from the uh, lack of whistles late in the spot a couple of times where I thought he was pretty clearly fouled and it was not called. But alas, um, I thought John played pretty well. It wasn't like he was his absolute most dominant offensive self only took nine shots in this game, but uh, he, he, he he took a lot of attention away in a good way from the rest of the guys, which allowed the uh, floor to open up and other guys to take advantage of it. And then defensively, I thought he was pretty good in this game as well. The last three guys that we'll discuss on the pod, uh, Kevin Herter, 40 points, sorry, 40 minutes, uh, 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists from Kevin. I thought he was good. Uh, it wasn't like he was uh, absolutely his A-plus game, but I thought it was a solid B-plus probably, some, something like that for Kevin. Above average stuff, 760 from the floor, three of eight from three. He was aggressive at times. That's kind of a line that you want to see from, Her- from Herter, that 17, seven, and four is like what you want on an average, basically, from him down the line in 40 minutes. I thought he did a pretty good job, all things considered, with uh, basically everything a couple of big shots along the way as well. 
Delvery Hunter was uh, his best in a while, I will say. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. He was a game-high plus 26, which is a little bit of noise in there, I would imagine. But I thought Hunter just did very, very well. Obviously, hit the, hit the, hit the huge 3. Probably the biggest single shot of the game on that uh, on that 3 to tie the game um, in the final minute. 3-3 um, three three from 3-point from range. He was four uh, only 4 of 9 on 2s, but was at least pretty aggressive getting to the rim. Defensively made some, made some plays. Had one big steal that turned into, turned into a dunk. I thought he played hard. I thought he played physically and uh, pretty aggressive by his standards. I thought it was a good game and a good data point there for DeAndre. And then, of course, Trey Young will save him for the end as we arrive here. 50 points, a career high for Trey, eight assists, two steals, two rebounds, a block shot, which was a fun one on Bam Adebayo. Um, seven turnovers is probably a little bit too many. In fact, in the first half, he was, he was pretty loose with the ball. I will say if you want to have one criticism, and this, this would be a brief one because he was obviously awesome in this game, um, he probably needs to clean it up a little bit in the, in the first half, a couple of lazy passes that he had. But um, overall, obviously, just a fantastic performance in every way. Um, plus 10, 50 points, 12 of 25 from the floor, 8 of 15 from three, just getting him up in good fashion and then getting get to the line 19 times, making 18 of them and uh, the 50 number obviously is important in that he, it's his career high it's a benchmark that everybody wants to everybody wanted him to get to um, really badly and there was a lot of a lot of fans that were pretty happy with that obviously as you want to see uh, your best player get to get to his career high also the, also the eight threes were a career high a tie of a, of a career high 50 points is the uh, career high itself he was the sixth hawk in history to score 50 points that's impressive on its own and also the first time that a hawk has scored 50 points since Sharif Abdul Rahim in 2001 um, I am not that young and I was in high school when that happened. So, uh, early part of high school, I will say when that happened. So it's been a long time, almost two decades since a Hawk scored 50 points. And uh, if you were in the building for this one, if you saw this one on TV, that was definitely a momentous occasion with that said. There's a little bit of good fortune at the end with the uh, the last free throw because uh, the Heat didn't have to foul there with two seconds to go. But even then, 49 wouldn't have been so bad either. <laughs> you know, Trey was fantastic in this game. And, uh, you know, what, what, what are you supposed to say here? Uh, defensively, actually, I thought he was pretty good as well. In the first quarter, there were some ugly moments. Um, gave up a couple of easy layups, and they are picking on him a little bit. But from that point forward, he was pretty much digging in. And I thought it was one of his better games defensively, especially in, the most, in those last three quarters, to go along with the, def- uh, to go along with the offense. Obviously, you kind of give him the pass in the game like this when he's this good on offense and he's not playing great defense, but he actually gave good effort. And I thought, as I mentioned before, he had one nice, really nice dig at the end of the game that kind of uh, saved possession and knocked the ball away from, from out of bio at a big time. So a physical game from, from Young, a, an effective game from him, and uh, obviously uh, you can't ask for much more than 50 points against a quality team in the Heat and a great way for the Hawks to start the second half of the season and this late game, uh, this late season push, I should, I should say. So... After all that rambling, uh, just kind of sum it up by saying, obviously the Hawks are not supposed to beat the Heat. Uh, this is this is obviously a winnable game for them coming into the game. I will say, just you know, at home, fresh legs, um, fully uh, at least mostly full, fully roster, fully uh, equipped roster, except for Capello and the Heat down a couple guys. But still, um, Atlanta was the underdog for a reason, and they had to play great. Honestly, Miami didn't play poorly. That's one thing that's great about this game for the Hawks is that if you look at this game objectively, the Hawks just played really well. Miami didn't give it to them. Miami Miami did not play down in their competition necessarily. It wasn't Miami's A-plus game, but the Heat played pretty well and the Hawks just played better. And that's that's a really impressive sign. It's a one-game sample out of 82 but at the end of the day, it didn't like it didn't require Miami like you know tanking the game and not playing well to, for the Hawks to win this one at home. Atlanta just played really well, and the guys that you need to play well all played well. In fact, you know of the guys who are like your core pieces, 
pretty much everyone played average or better basketball, or maybe even you know maybe even better than that in this game. I figure the only guy that I you you might say wasn't better than like a B plus effort in this game was John Collins, and even then I think he played pretty well. So if you combine everyone playing well at the same time, you see the res- what, what the results are for the Hawks. It's not going to happen like that every single night, but it gives you good optimism for the rest of the way and a good place to start off the stretch run. Okay, so with all that said, um, the, a little bit of a little bit of a programming note on the podcast. Um, the next game for the Hawks is Saturday night against Luka Doncic and the Mavs. That'll be the headliner. Of, of course, the Hawks and Mavs played once earlier at the, end of, at the beginning of February, but that, that was a game that had uh, no Doncic, no Porzingis, and then Trey got hurt and Reddish got hurt, and it was a, just kind of a slog of a weird game in Dallas. This time around, it projects to be Young versus Doncic, and that'll, be, that'll of course be the uh, headline matchup of the game, but also a nice little test for the Hawks because Dallas comes in with a number one offense in the league and we'll see how the Hawks play at home in that spot I will actually not be there I have a family thing to attend to my apologies for that I like to uh, keep things as much as possible and be in the building as much as possible but, but between work and this family thing it's just going to happen a little bit I have a couple of dates in the future of the season where I have to miss some games which is okay I'll always watch the game after the fact but a couple of times I have to miss some home games so hopefully you'll forgive me for that I will not be in the building for that one on Saturday night but I will have a podcast it may not be until Sunday before I record that I'm not sure what the schedule is going to be like for that for that for late that night so my apologies for that but hopefully on a weekend that will suffice um, please subscribe to the podcast please tell a friend about the show and again i have two podcasts earlier this week that are still relevant um me and Jackson Frank on the NBA draft from earlier, and then me and Ben Ladner on the last show talking about the last uh, part of the season for the Hawks and looking ahead to the future, et cetera, et cetera. Those are still very much listenable at this point in time. So check those out, tell a friend, and we will see everybody after the game on Saturday. Stay tuned for all of that.